Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast. We are in week two of Lent and week two of our journey into the book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace by Father Jacques Philippe, which is actually rocking our worlds. And so we've been talking about that before we started recording. Heather, um, how are you today? How's it going? We were talking about that earlier. I'm honestly, I'm so tired. <laughs> I mean, I usually just say, hey, I'm great. But reality, I'm so tired. I was awake half the night. I don't even know why. Um, we just had a big birthday party for my dad last week. That I'm building a house. So there's just mm-hmm. lots going on. Just feeling mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. But all good things going on. All of good course. things. So yeah. praise the Lord. How are you? Yeah, Lent is among us. I'm actually visiting Cleveland right now. It is 10 degrees outside. One zero, people. Wow. 10. A little chilly for the God Texan bless. nun, um, but it's all good. So the wonderful people here in Cleveland have been doing a couple mission talks at parishes in the area. So, so yeah, it's all good. And clinging to this book, it's such a great book. So I'm so glad we're doing it. I'm like, if, if for no other reason, I'm just going to be self-centered. I'm glad it's for yeah. me because I need, I need yeah. it. As I'm reading it, I'm like, ah, I need it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Michelle, what about you? You look like you've searched for and maintained peace in your beautiful face. Wow, I have you pulled. Uh, <laughs> let's see. It is cold here. It is 32 degrees, which Florida is not being who she's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Sunshine state and warm. Mm-hmm. But I'm good. I'm excited. Um, I'm ready for Lent. I mean, Lent is upon us, and I like I like it. I like Lent. It's a reset. Mm-hmm. I think my heart needed it. I think my family needed it. Mm-hmm. And so... And I need some maintaining peace. So I'm excited. Don't we all? Jump yeah. in. Definitely. So here we go. So friends, we're gonna, we are still in part one. And so we're going to talk about the little chapters four to seven today. So if you want to grab your book and journey along with us. And really the kind of the theme we were talking about uh, of this particular section is fighting the right battle. And that's what Father Jacques Philippe talks about in chapter four. And he says many times we kind of fight the wrong battle at times. We're fighting a battle of really what he's talking about is perfectionism of like, I'm going to vanquish all my faults and I'm going to be totally perfect. And he's like, that's not, that's not the battle. He's like, that's not even possible. Um, so he says, this is one of the great secrets of spiritual combat that we can talk about this. He says, to avoid fighting the wrong battle, to know how to discern, despite the ruses of our adversary, which is the real battlefield, what we truly have to struggle against, and where we must place our efforts. Because he said, ultimately, it's the battle consists precisely in this, defending one's peace of heart against the enemy who attempts to steal it from us, right? Defending one's peace of heart against the enemy who attempts to steal it from us. So, discuss here here we go this is like this is like so rich heather what are your thoughts here as you kind of think about that yeah it actually made me think of two different types of battles that we often 
uh, fight wrongly. And one of them is like love, like love is a battlefield. Oh, pretty sorry. much. Sorry, we need to break not. into Pat Benatar. I was waiting for this moment. <laughs> Thank you. sister. I couldn't resist. Anyway, <laughs> carry on, carry on. Um, that's always a battlefield I'm willing to fight in. Yeah. Uh, the love battlefield. <laughs> Listen to our thing on marriage. You'll let our episode on marriage. You'll figure exactly. it out. <laughs> um, so one of the battles is like you were saying, you know, against our, our, self just getting wrapped up in our weakness and being taken down by the enemy. But the other one I was thinking about is that we often get lost in small stories, Ooh, you know, talk like about battles that. that are, are, we're directing our attention to things that aren't the real thing, you know, that mm. God has placed certain desires in our hearts, uh, to really fight a battle that is worth fighting for, like for beauty mm. and truth and goodness and justice and freedom and all of these things. But often we get lost in small stories. We focus on small, tiny things like we're always going to die on this hill and we pour all our mm-hmm. energy into something. And it's really not the place we need to pour that energy into. It's almost like misdirected, you know, good intentions. Uh, and we end up wasting our time, wasting our energy on a small story when God has called us to to a bigger story, like some something glorious and something where his, where his spirit is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference. Like when we're fighting these small battles, small stories uh, that really aren't where God is directing us, then it's all on our own power, you know? So we get tired, we get wasted with it. We, uh, we often lose those battles. Um, or if we win them, we're exhausted by the end. Whereas yeah. with God, when he, when his spirit is there, our battles look like surrender and, and victory comes more than just for us but for others too. They're set free mm. in those battles. That's mm. just a couple initial thoughts. Michelle, what, how about you? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Am I fighting the right battle? That's what he asks. Like, am I fighting a battle? And then we go back to the previous chapter before this, you know, that our battle is against um, spirits and principalities and not people. Mm-hmm. And so to go to the deeper issues, like what battles are we fighting and why? And define them because the battles that we are finding like you said, Heather, define who we are and define the story that we're supposed to be in. So mm-hmm. am I really, am I fighting a battle or am I just distracted, you know, yes. from my purpose? Yeah. Like, you know, like, am I just distracted? You know, am I doing things that like spinning my wheels and doing that? And I was just really convicted reading this chapter is, am I fighting a battle without any armor? And so, because it really, am I putting on the armor, like it says in Ephesians, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, is it really guarding my heart? Like Mm -hmm. I have this sword, am I wielding the sword, like sword of the spirit? Am I using the word of the God to fight my battles? Like Mm -hmm. um, I said in the previous podcast, my spiritual director really challenged me about that. You know, Mm -hmm. that scripture is living an active sword. Am I wielding my sword or is it just sitting down next to me? Do I have a shield of faith on me? Like, am I, you know, like lifting it up so those arrows that can take me out, am I lifting it up so they can, you know, they can't penetrate the shield of faith, the lies that come at me, mm-hmm. you know? So I was just really thinking about that and really realizing that my battle is not people, you know, or situations. And I read something the other day, it says, don't get revenge, get healing mm-hmm. when you know, like when you think that you're dealing with a person like, oh, I just want them to pay or they've hurt me this way. Really, like we need to ask the deeper questions. You know, what is God doing in this story? Where does this reveal when I'm hurt like this? And some people, we have been valid, very valid hurts mm-hmm. that have come against us. Very valid. Mm-hmm. But what is the deeper story? And how is God trying to restore us in that story? Mm-hmm. Um, and how is he telling us to, you know, the best deep, you know, defense that we can come is true healing. And true forgiveness. So what does that look like in Lent? You know, I don't know, but giddy up. I think it's going to be a good one, people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sister, what about you? 
Well, I think, I, I mean, amen, that's very true. And I, you know, he talks about how the first goal of spiritual convent is not always to obtain a victory, but rather to learn how to maintain peace of heart under all circumstances. In the case of defeat, he said, because when your heart is at peace, when we're abiding, that's when God fights for us versus us. Like you're saying, Heather, both of you, you know, am I fighting this on my own? Is it my own story that I'm trying to fight? And just preparing for Lenten missions, um, this Lent, I was just thinking about uh, it, particularly how what, you know Jesus is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus takes on all of our temptations in the desert, and we unite ourselves to him in the desert. He's led by the Holy Spirit. But first and foremost, before that happened, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. And it's at that moment that the Father speaks the words over Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I delight. So Jesus goes into the desert as a beloved son. Mm-hmm. So you and I go into the desert of Lent as beloved daughters, as beloved sons. And that is always the point of the identity that is, will always be challenged. That is what Satan is always saying to you and me. If you are the daughter of God, if you are the son of God, why is this? Why is this? It's always our identity that's being attacked. And I think if we could, I I know for myself, if we can especially abide this Lent in the identity, the, the indelible mark of our baptism that we belong to God, then we're resting from a place of, of identity and who we truly are. That's the true story. That's the that's the the truest narrative of our life that we're sons and daughters of God. So this is not me going out into the desert of my own power. This is not me fighting a battle that I've made of my own creation. This is the Holy Spirit leading me as a beloved daughter, uniting my sufferings to Christ. Why? Because God wants to bring us intimacy with him. And I think that's really the whole journey, which I often forget. I have to remind myself of that every day. <laughs> but I just was thinking very deeply about that of like, where am I fighting this battle from? Mm. Is it me trying to make sure that I'm lovable, prove that I'm lovable, prove that I'm worthy? So put myself in a situation so you like me so much that you can't reject me? Because those are all facades versus like the vulnerability of coming as a daughter who's little and saying, this is who I am and here's what God is doing in my life, right? And even in my failures, even in my sins, that God will make good out of those things Mm. when I turn my heart to him. That's beautiful, yeah. I think we have to constantly, and this is why Lent is so beautiful, reorient ourselves, you know? It's like we need the compass Amen. to come back, like to show us where the true north is, to show us what is really, really true, really real, uh, where our real home is. And I was just pondering uh, Psalm 84 this morning where it talks about my home is by your altars, Lord. Oh, amen. And, and that I've had that feeling so many times when I enter into a chapel, uh, especially just into a church and I sit down and I, it's like a reorientation. I go, ah, yes, my home is by your altars, Lord. Like this is where I'm meant Mm -hmm. to, everything is meant to flow from this, like this intimate union with you, uh, where I'm connected to you, where I'm laying my life down on the altar, where everything is, is rightly ordered. And often when I walk out of that chapel, everything goes away. You know, it's like I, then then all of a sudden the altar is different. I'm putting different things in different places. And who's who's really the king, you know, when I walk out the door of that chapel. And so I, I'm trying to learn like how to keep that chapel experience of sorts, like within my heart, like within within the very depth of my soul, that my home is by his altars always, you know, not just when I'm in a church, not just when I'm praying, um, so that when I do fight battles, when I am entering into different situations, when I am encountering other people's brokenness, that I'm not just responding to what's coming at me, but I'm able to Mm -hmm. still my heart and my mind and my soul Mm -hmm. and ask, Lord, what do you want from me here? Like, I'm staying with you. I'm staying with you at your altar. That's so true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, finding my true identity there, it wraps into what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And I think go piggyback on, but with what you're saying is the difference between being an orphan and the difference between being a daughter and a son, mm-hmm. you know, like an orphan will say like we're fighting a battle or we do something or we're dealing with our own temptations or anything like that, our own sinfulness. And we say, I messed up and God is an authoritative, authoritative ruler and he's mm-hmm. going to kill me or he's going to be mad at me and leave. So I'm going to run and hide. So, true. you know, in the desert, Jesus did not hide out. Like he wasn't hiding. He wasn't running. Mm-hmm. The desert is a place where we lean into the father and we're fined and we discover who we are in a deeper way, mm-hmm. you know, and the difference is, you know, when you do something wrong, an orphan says, you know, oh my gosh, I messed up. God's going to, you know, God's going to kill me. You know, like how you say, my mom's going to kill me, you know, if yeah. I did this, or my dad, but a son or daughter says, I messed up. I'm going to call my dad mm-hmm. and he's going to come get me and I can lean into his love, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the difference. And so or we say, oh my gosh, I'm struggling, but I have someone that's a victor that I can run to. You know, my weaknesses are actually my strengths. It's totally reorienting, as Heather said, our idea of who the father is. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. we should come out of Lent where there should be a resurrection in some way, shape or form part of our life. Now, will our lives be perfect? No, not on the side of heaven, Mm -hmm. but there will be some kind of resurrection because Mm -hmm. we have walked with him. We have carried our cross. We have died in some way. There has to be some kind of death and some kind of resurrection that takes place in this beautiful liturgical season. So mm-hmm. we are entering into it with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and I guess I'm really concerned and it's been brought to my attention really in the last week or so I've had like really a bombardment of emails and text messages from dear people. And a lot of people are just going through a lot of hard right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, <clears throat> a lot of just fatigue. Um, people were tired. You know, we're exhausted. And just, I mean, I must have gotten a couple of text messages within 24 hours. And the same common theme is I just don't feel anything right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, I just not feeling. And so, and I'm like, all right, we are not meant to live this way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yes, there will be hard times, but we are meant to live an abundant life. Mm-hmm. You know, we are to live in a disposition of peace, you know, that surpasses all understanding. So ma- no matter what our circumstances are, there is a peace that abides in us. And that mm-hmm. is just making our home in the Lord, you know, really making our home in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think it, it again comes back to like, I, I agree with you, Michelle, I've been hearing a lot of the same things and feeling it within my own heart, just the weariness, you know, of the state Definitely. that we're in. I, I know oh so gosh. many of our listeners are like, are you guys going to talk about what's happening in the church again? Like what's going on, you know? And it's, it's not that we don't want to talk about it. We want to talk about it, but there's so much to say. And I think it just comes back to again and again for me, you know, like, is God really who he says he is? Is he really the Lord? Is he really sovereign? Is he really, is he really the king? And, and I keep coming back to him and it comes back to personal holiness all the time. Like, Lord, I need you. I desperately need you. There are so many things that are out of my control, circumstances that I cannot, I I can't do anything about, you know, I'm completely helpless in many of these things and my heart is breaking and I feel weary from the battle. And what do I do? And I think it just comes back to remembering who God is, that this is, this isn't a war. This isn't a battle. This isn't a struggle that's too big for him. Like he's not concerned like I'm concerned because he is so powerful. He reigns. But does he reign in my heart? You know, am I letting him reign in my family? Like these are the only circumstances that that really, it's not that I control them, but that I can do anything about is just with myself and with my own circle. 
And so I love this part on page 14 when he said, when the Lord affirms that he gives us his peace, that he gives us his peace, these words are divine words, words which have the same creative force as the words that brought the sky and the earth from the void. They carry the same weight as the words that quieted the storm, the words that healed the sick and brought the dead back to life. Since Jesus tells us even twice that he gives us his peace, we believe that this peace will never be taken away. And I I just love that. I'm like, God is the same yesterday, today, forever. Like the Jesus that we read about in the Bible who performed all of these miracles and yeah, quieted the storms. Like he can quiet the storm still, you know, everything still bows at his name. And, um, Mm -hmm. for me that, that needs to be more of an anchor than it is right now. You know, it's like I have moments where I touch that and I'm like, yes. And then I get swept away in the storm again. I'm like, ah, I'm so worried. You know, <laughs> just like, just like the disciples in the boat. I'm like, ah, it's coming. We're, we're going to crash the boat. We're going to drown. You know, Lord, what are you doing? And he's just like, chill. It's okay. I got this, you know. That's so true. And, you know, he, in that next sentence, um, which is in chapter five, I, can I just say that chapter five is the best title of any chapter I've ever read. The reasons why we lose our peace are always bad reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, amen, Father, like, preach it. That was so Say good. Say it like it is. It's so true. Uh, I'm like, it's so true. Uh, he says, God's gifts and his calling are irrevocable, which he quotes Romans 11:29. And I honestly, I had to read that just to kind of piggyback on what you both are saying. I had to read that a couple times and really let that sink in um, to my heart because there's just parts of it where I don't believe it. Where like we feel like we have to perform well to have his favor or perform well to get his peace or even what you're talking about, Michelle, about leaning into the Father. I just saw when I when I prayed about that, like just the parts of my own heart where I still not am not childlike, but childish, right? Where I fear the punishment versus like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get in so much trouble. So I'm gonna try to manage it. Okay, I'll try really hard this time, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's just like such a coping mechanism out of fear. I mean, just to being really honest, like mm-hmm. a coping mechanism out of fear of my own heart versus like a total surrender to the father of being loved. Like, yes, I did this or yes, I fell here. And sometimes it's like, yes, I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I did it anyway, <laughs> you know, being very honest or mm-hmm. yes, I, I chose mm-hmm. an illusory good here versus what you were asking me to do. Um, and just going to the father and mm-hmm. trusting that his love is going to be there and and yeah, you know what? Sometimes, like obviously, every choice is a consequence, and my choices sometimes reap bad consequences, and that that's to my own, you know, my, what I sow is what I reap. It's like, but the Father is always there in love, a gaze of love, and I just think that is so for me was so challenging. I really had to allow that, and to continue to do so, allow it to pierce my own heart of the broken ways that I relate to God. And it was just very, uh, it was very convicting to me, to be quite honest with you, very convicting of like when Father Jacques Philippe talks about goodwill of how our will is ordered toward God, our will, you know, toward the God who is good. Like another parts of me that still want, that aren't totally ordered to God, you know, and allowing him, him knowing that and allowing him to gently reorder those parts versus me trying to manage on my own. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Absolutely. And I just know I'm right there with you, sister, because like this week I was like, there was a situation. I blew it. I absolutely blew the situation. And I was like, and I was beating myself up and going in shame. I was like, all right, when can I get to confession? Like, how did I even fall? I mean, I was just like, oh, so frustrated with myself and beating myself up. And instead of, and like totally wanted to hide 
from, you know, from God, be like, totally when, where are my fig leaves? I need my fig leaves, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, but I was like, no, this is the time that I need to lean in. You know, this is the time where I need to come to him. This is the time where he's, you know, that he is my dad and say, okay. And then ask him the harder questions. Why is my heart doing this? Why do I react this way? Ask the deeper questions, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, you know, it says like in first Peter, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking someone to devour and he devoured me. So my whole thing was like, Hey, I was like, I just got devoured in that situation. And the God's like, okay, so why don't you be a lion hearted, you know? Like, why don't you fight the battle? Why doesn't your heart, you know, you are heart, be lionhearted like it comes out of Joan of Arc, Mm -hmm. you know, where she says she fights the battle, like lean into my love, come back to me, you know, and like the response, you know, that I, you know, that would have put me into, um, you know, bondage would have been like, oh my gosh, you know, like totally hide in shame. But I was like, nope, not going to do this. I messed up, you know, I lean in, I come in, come back to the sacrament of reconciliation. I keep on going. It's not going to take me down. I'm going to lean on and his mercy is bigger. His grace is bigger. His love is bigger and it can transform me and just keep on going, you know, get up instead of going into a uh, shame spiral, which I would have probably, you know, yeah, it still could happen, but I'm trying yeah. not to. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Well, and that, and therein lies the, that's the battle, Michelle. Like that's the journey of, of it's the getting back up again, isn't it ladies? Don't we, you know, it's like, that's what he's talking about. It's, it's not so much the self mastering. I mean, he gives in chapter seven, an example that St. Therese talks about a priest that was doing an exorcism and how, how the demons were saying that they can surmount all difficulties, but it's the, it's the person's goodwill that they can't, they, they can't confound, right? We always have the freedom of will, the freedom to choose. And I, you know, she said, as long as we have that freedom of will, we can always turn our hearts toward the Lord and try again. And it just, just, just try again, start again, start again, you know? And I think that's the continual journey of life, like a fine masterpiece. A masterpiece is created one brushstroke at a time. Right. And I, you know, I want it differently many times. I want it done now and I want to arrive at a place and then coast the rest of my life. And it doesn't. Mm. (laughs) I think it comes back to, as you both were talking about in certain ways, like staying in the gaze of God. Like, you know, when I break from that gaze and I look at myself, I look at other things, I'm like, I'm, I'm not anchored again. Like I can't see the love, the power I'm not receiving from him. And it's like, I need to stay in that gaze. Like, when he's just inviting us, just look at me, just keep your eyes on me in this, keep, fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, like that, that isn't just an idea. Like it's literally a practice that we need to have within the stillness of our heart, that our eyes are fixed on him. Um, and not just about us looking at him, but allowing him to look at us, Mm. you know, like it's not just, Oh yeah, I got to keep my eyes on Jesus. No. Also you need to know that he has his eyes on you and those eyes are just like filled with love and filled with goodness, and filled with power, and filled with peace. Like all the things that our hearts are longing for are right Mm -hmm. there in that gaze. And I've had this thing with my kids ever since they were, I mean, babies, really. I'm really big on eye contact, really big on it. And I've always said since they were little and we're talking, like, I'm like, look at me when we're talking. Okay, Mm -hmm. do you see me? Look Mm -hmm. in my eyes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to you right now, like about whatever it might be. Um, But especially when they've done something wrong. I don't want them to cower and not look at me, you know? Mm. And so I want them to see me. I want them to see my eyes because whatever they're telling themselves, whatever narrative might be going on in their mind about shame and I did something bad, I'm such a bad kid, you know, all these things, like that's not what I'm thinking. And so I always say, look at me in my eyes. I love you. 
you know, you messed up and we're going to get through this together. Okay. There's some things we have to repair. I might be upset and that's okay, but we're going to get through this, you know? Um, and it just reminded me too of like my daughter, Eva, uh, she fell off a horse a year and a half ago and broke her arm. It was a really bad break above her elbow. And she was laying on the ground and I came into the arena, the horse arena, and I saw her and I went up to her and she just had tears and she's trying to look around. She's looking and the bone is like protruding through her skin. And I just like, she was getting so afraid and she's in shock and she would start to worry. And she's like, am I going to die? And I just had to keep saying, Eva, look at me in my eyes. Okay. You're going to be okay. And I'm right here. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Just look at me. Okay. Don't look around. Just look at me. And you could see her heart just kept getting steady every time. And when she would break her eyes, you know, and look around, she would get scared again. And I, I mean, I'm nothing. I'm not in any way comparing myself to God, you know, like oh, but that's if only, if only I can, Amen. yeah, if only in some way, like I can try to be like him in those moments, but you can just see it in a tangible way, even between a child and a parent. So how much greater is that with the love of God and his gaze, you know, when we keep our eyes fixed on him, I think that's where the peace comes. We take our eyes away, mm-hmm. we get restless, you know, our hearts mm-hmm. lose their place. Oh, mm-hmm. Man, <laughs> I'm like crying over here, like mic drop. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I think that's the whole, yeah, that's the whole trajectory of, I think, what Father Jacques Philippe is imparting to us as beloved sons and daughters um, is that that's where it is. And that's like you said, Heather, uh, when our eyes are fixed on God, whose eyes are fixed on us first, then our hearts are quelled in that stillness of relationship. We abide, we rest. And then it's when we allow God to fight for us, right? It's when we become childlike, mm-hmm. but, and that's the really when Jesus says, you know, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And it's such a counterintuitive way to how the world conquers, right, mm-hmm. and how the world overcomes. Mm-hmm. But Christ, you know, like he says, I, you know, in the world you're going to have trouble. You know, and the peace that I give you is not of this world. And mm-hmm. you're going to have trouble in the world, but don't, t- but take heart, right? Have courage because I've overcome yeah. And that's the scripture that's in here, which I think is a great anchoring scripture for this yeah. podcast is John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that you will have peace in me. In the world, you will have trouble, but take courage. I have conquered the world. I mean, that's where we fight our battles from, is that knowledge and understanding. Are we going to burst into a verse that this is how I fight my battles? Anybody? Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready right now. Mm-hmm. Let's throw it down. Ah, Amen. <laughs> Well, let's talk about our one things. I, I think I should have said this one last week, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me, but I'll start. Every year, the Holy Father releases a letter for Lent, and it's a very short letter, but it's the heart of the Holy Father, our spiritual father, his heart for the church for the season of Lent. And so I would highly recommend you, as as I do every year, to read the letter. You can go to Google, and we're going to post it on the show notes. You can go to Google and type in Pope Francis letter for Lent 2019, and you're going to find it. And the Holy Father uh, is actually pulling from Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 8 would be a great chapter to spend your Lent in because there's so much in there of what St. Paul is saying. But really the key that he's, the scripture he's giving it to us is all of creation, all of creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God, right? So he's speaking about who we are as children of God, the revelation of who we are. And he talks about also in the letter of how the wilderness of our heart through the journey of Lent brings it back to being a garden Mm. like it was. So don't we all have our wilderness, right? Where we spend a lot of time in the wilderness, but 
through Lent, through the resurrection of, or through the restoration of Christ, which culminates in his resurrection, that Jesus brings our hearts back to the garden like Eden, right? Instead of the living in the wilderness. So my one thing, my dear friends, I would highly recommend is just reading Pope Francis' letter for Lent and just gleaning from it what you can and spending some time with Romans chapter eight in this season of Lent, which I know that I'm going to do in a certain, hmm. a very special way this Lent. Cool. So. Very there cool. you go. Heather Kim, my dear, what is your one thing? Well, my one thing, last night I watched this movie called Won't You Be My Neighbor? This movie, it's on Netflix. You know, you can get it for free there, but about Mr. Rogers. And it was beautiful, you guys. Like, I was in tears. I was in tears several times. People like, said they ugly cried over it. I'm not joking. He even talked about the Won't You Be My Neighbor. And everything that he did had an intention behind it. And that's what I I didn't realize that how intentional he was about his messaging and what he did and how he spoke and what he wanted people to know. And he's like, it's an invitation to belong. Oh. And I was like, what? I mean, he just, yeah. there were several moments where I was like, wow. Like, even this... Um, this beautiful black man that he had like playing the officer, you know, on his show who came in and it was at a time where, uh, black people weren't allowed in the pool, you know, like with white people, like just horrible parts of our history, mm -hmm. you know, and he went there and had a, had a show where he had this little pool and he's washing his feet and he invites this man to come and wash his feet in the same pool as him. Like just little things that oh. he was like trying to show children how to love well, how to yeah. have empathy. It, there was so many things in there that, it caught me off guard, actually. I was in, in tears several times in that movie. Mm. Yeah, it was mm. beautiful. Anyway, mm. that's my one thing. Yeah, that's my one thing. Michelle, how about you? My one thing is Laura Daigle's song, Love Like This. Her album has been out for a little while, but the song, um, Love Like This, just the lyrics are beautiful. I think it's a great song for Lent. There's a line and it says, when I'm a long night, you are the sunrise. When I'm a desert, you are the river that turns. You know, and the chorus is, what have I done to deserve a love like this? It Ooh. is just a beautiful melody and I love it. And so um, it's, I've just had it on repeat um, mm. this week. And so, yeah, it's a good Linton song. No. That's so Laura Daigle, love like this. Yep. Well, dear listeners, happy second week of Lent. We are praying for you. And we just um, would invite you to stay in the gaze of the Father this week who loves you. That no matter what happens this week, whether it's a week of sorrow or joy or whatever happens in your day-to-day, -day, in your moment-to-moment, -moment, know that you are being gazed upon by the one who loves you and the one to whom you belong. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together and enter your email address click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week you can also find the show notes on the ascension press website as well as each episode on the itunes podcast app you'll find everything there you can join our private facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on we love to hear from you send us an email give us a shout out we are happy to be on the journey with you and until next week we will be abiding together Thank you so much.